Don't tell Pastor Jeff that. <laughs> you saw how gently we just lifted it up. We're both, All right. We're both, grounded. We're both grounded. All right. Will you stand and join with me as we read our scripture lesson this morning? It comes from Matthew chapter 5. It comes from the the Sermon on the Mount, which so much of it is familiar to us. And I want you to, as we read this, I want us to think about it as in the context of our response to the the story and the message and and the truth and the hope of, of Christmas. So beginning in the 13th verse from the 5th chapter of Matthew, Jesus says, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. May God bless us in the understanding of his precious and holy word for our lives this morning. Adam's going to, you may be seated, Adam's going to help me out this morning, and um, Christmas is over, um, and I trust that you had a blessed time with family and friends. And so I want us to take a moment and just share, let's share with one another. What was your best or your most favorite gift that you received this Christmas? And uh, so just, just raise your hand and we're going to give you the mic so that everybody can hear. What was your favorite or your best gift for Christmas? Spending time with my son and his daughter-in-law and grandkids. Okay, spending time with family. Anybody else? There's a few more up there. There you go. We want some kids, definitely. A Nintendo Switch. A Nintendo Switch. There you go. What else? Scott, do you have... I got a, <coughs> I got a Roomba. I'm not sure what that is. An Amiibo. Isn't that one of those things that vacuums by itself? Yes, yes. All right, there you go. Guess who does the vacuuming in here, their house? I got a nativity set, baby Jesus. A nativity set. How about some over here? Let's get a few over here. All right, and we, we, want, we want people of all ages here to participate in this. It's Family Sunday. We've got a couple over here. AirPods. AirPods. Bar. A gymnastics bar. Wow. That's cool. Couple more. Um, it was watching my grandchildren get really excited about the gifts I gave them. Okay. Watching your kids get excited. One more. There we go. We'll go do Chris over there. 
Well, there was conflict in our family between two people, but they came and they were, and it was just wonderful that they were came and worked it out. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's good. We're good. Thank you. You can just put that on the, the front pew there. Um, you know, one of, the, I, one of the things, this happened actually a couple weeks before Christmas, but, and by the way, uh, Courtney and David Fain, my uh, daughter and son-in-law, their family uh, front, that are living in Thailand, they, they want to send their Christmas wishes to all of us here at the church. And a couple weeks ago, um, uh, they ran into literally a very interesting uh, a gift, and that is, is that while David was taking the boys to school, he happened to run over this snake. It happened to have been a poisonous snake, and it happened to have been about seven feet long, and you might have seen it if you're on Facebook. He was holding it up. Now, of course, some villagers saw what had happened and wanted to come over and make sure that everything was okay. And the villager, now understand that in the Thai culture and in Buddhism, killing of animals is not a thing that, that is, is looked upon highly, but it does happen. And so the villagers went up to David and asked him if, they were going, if he was going to take the snake home and make soup out of it. <laughs> now, imagine what Courtney's expression would have been if he had brought that snake home with him to say, here, dear, let's make some soup. So, um, and obviously he he did not, but he offered the soup to the, the, I mean, the snake to the villagers so that they could make soup, and they were just overjoyed at such a gift. My question to you this morning is not what's your best or favorite gift, but what are you going to do with his presence? What are you going to do with his presence in your life? Now, I want to know honestly, how many of you have gifts that need to be returned? Oh, come on. There's a few of you. What? But there's, your husband's already took them back. Here's, here's something that I want you to know is amazingly astounding. There was a, a study taken earlier this fall, okay? Early fall, so September, October. It was a global study, okay? Of over 16,000 people, okay? And three-fourths of them, 75%, before Christmas even came, two months before even all the shopping was done, three-fourths of them said that in all likelihood they will be returning at least one gift. Now, to take that a little, bit, a little step further... the survey indicated that one out of every five or 20% was prepared or assumed that they would be returning over half their gifts. I don't know who's buying them their gifts, 
but, but that, there, there's just something that strikes me odd and kind of funny that, that, that before Christmas has even come, people are prepared to what, return their gifts or return a gift or even expect that they will be returning up to half of their gifts or more than half their gifts. Do you realize in the U.S. alone that returned gifts will amount to roughly $260 billion in lost sales this year? That's staggering. So my question is not what you're going to do with your presence, but what are you going to do with his presence? Did you hear about the one family uh, and what they did with their grandmother's Christmas gift? Fidel Ford, and she's from no, Michigan, no less, would bake a fruitcake every year. To make things more interesting in this story, she would always let the fruitcake sit for one year before she offered it to her family as a Christmas gift. Okay? Think about that. In other words, the fruitcake she made for this year was, that she made this year was for next year's gift, or this year's fruitcake was made last year. You getting the idea? Well, the story gets better. Fidella Ford died at the age of 65 before her 1878 cake could have been eaten. And by the time the holidays arrived in 1879, the family determined that her fruitcake was far more than just food, but it was to become, it was evidence of her handiwork and a true gift to the family. And you know that that fruitcake from 1878 has become a family heirloom. And until his death in 2013, the cake was in the care of Morgan Ford, Fidela Ford's great-grandson. He had stored it in an antique glass dish on the top shelf of a china cabinet in, in his Tecumseh home, where it actually still remains. During the 93 years that Morgan Ford held on to this family's fruitcake, he showed it off at church and family gatherings and shared a story about its history with younger relatives. Even he made it on the Johnny Carson show. One of his granddaughters wrote, he took care of it to the day he left this earth. But just so if you're wondering, it is not the oldest fruitcake on record. According to Guinness Book of World Records, they found a cake in an Egyptian tomb that dates back 4,176 years old. And it happens to be on display in a museum in Switzerland. But that's a fruitcake. But what are you going to do with his presence? The story of the wise men and the angels leaves open the impact of the birth of Je that Jesus had on their lives. Beyond what is written in Matthew 2 and Luke 2, we hear very little about how their lives were changed. For the wise men were simply told that they were 
warned in a dream not to return the same way, but to go a different route back. But the shepherds were told a little bit more. Upon experiencing the Christ child, they returned to their homes and their fields, glorifying and praising God for what they've seen and heard. But the reality is we are left to wonder all that happened in their lives since that moment when they worshipped the Christ child. But the reality is, is that the birth of Christ has been impacting lives throughout this world for over 2,000 years. And it only makes sense to believe that the wise men and the shepherds were forever transformed by his presence. And they declared the good news of great joy wherever they could. One of the most interesting observations to take note of the shepherd's story is the reality they did exactly what the angels did. As the heavenly host appeared to the shepherds, and they, it says that they were praising God, saying, glory to God in the highest. And in a similar manner, we're told in Luke 2.20 that the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God. So what are we going to do with his presence? Will we be like millions of shoppers and return the present of his presence? Or will we allow it to shape how we're going to live out our lives in 2020? During this Advent and Christmas season, God's drawn me to two images that, have captured, that, I, that are captured in our lesson earlier this morning. And Jesus' first public teaching in Matthew 5, after he declares what our attitude should be with the familiar words of the Beatitudes, Jesus simply but profoundly says, you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. In 2020, as Friends Church, let's be the salt and light. Why? Because as Jesus states, so that others may give glory to God the Father. You know, the whole birth scene, the whole experience of Christ's birth is surrounded and wrapped in God's glory. And Jesus, as he begins his ministry and teaching ministry, declares that we are to be salt and light in order that through our works, others might see the glory of God. You know, I think it simply begins this way. Daily, we ought to pray in the morning that the Lord would help us to let our lives give him glory throughout the day. And at the end of the day, take a moment and reflect in, on the opportunities that you had to give God glory, but also confess where you might have done something or said something that wasn't so glorious. 
But let's take a moment to unpack these two simple but powerful truths. I'm going to start with I am the light of the world. The purpose of light is, we all know, is to make a difference in its surroundings. It is to make the invisible visible. John declares in the first chapter, the 14th verse, that Jesus came to be the light of all people. John records in chapter 8, verse 12 of his gospel, I am the light of the world. And whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will be the light of life. But what is this light? It's certainly not a, a match. Has anybody lit a match and held it long enough so that their fingers would start to burn? It quickly goes out. The light is not simply a candle, because if I left that candle going forever and ever, for, for a while, eventually it would go out. There would be no candle left. It's not a lantern or a light bulb. Because if it were a lantern, the oil would eventually disappear. And if it were a light bulb, who knows when the power may go out. The light that Jesus is referring to is the light that shined on Christmas Day. It's the glory of God. The same light that the shepherds experienced when the angels appeared. And Luke describes it this way in 2.9. The glory of the Lord shone around them. That's the light. John described Jesus' birth this way. The word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory. If you've given your life to Christ and he lives in your heart, then you have seen and you have experienced the glory of God. As a matter of fact, the glory of God resides in you. Listen to a moment to the words of Paul as he wrote, writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning in the 7th verse. Now, if the ministry of death carved in the letters of stone came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end, will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, being the Old Testament, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in glory. And indeed, this is the case. What once had glory had come to have no glory at all because of the glory that surpasses it. For if what we have been brought to an end came with glory, much more will what is permanent have glory. But did you catch what Paul said in the middle of those verses? Will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? We are living in the days of the Spirit. And then in and through the body of Christ, there ought to be more evidence of the glory of God. I believe what is represented, which is just a small piece of our ministry and life and outreach is a friend's church 
out on the tables out there are opportunities for us to engage in the ministry of the Spirit for the glory of God. And what is probably the simplest and best expression of the glory of God that that I have seen comes from the words of John Piper, who I enjoy reading. And he says this, The glory of God is the manifest beauty of His holiness. It's the going public of his holiness. I love that. The glory of God is the public display of God's holiness. And clearly we saw that in the life of Jesus, even though he was without sin, he was perfectly holy, even though he was tempted in every way. Peter, in his letter, restates what God said to his children throughout the Old Testament. Be holy as God is holy. Holiness matters. It's one of the things that I love about the Evangelical Friends Church. The foundation of our life in ministry together is twofold. One, is a heart to save the lost. And two, to call the body of Christ to a a life of holiness because it is out of holiness that the glory of God gets displayed. And it's why Jesus says we need to be in the world, but not of the world. Being transformed more and more into the likeness of Christ matters and needs to be taken with increasingly, increasing seriousness by the body of Christ in our culture today. Christ in us is the hope of glory. It's more than just a destination, but it's a way of living. I want, you, I want to encourage you to take time throughout this week to look more deeply into 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and chapter 4, which, which illuminates more, more and more into the, what, it, what the glory of God looks like and, and what it means for our lives. But here's the reality. The more we pay attention to the transforming work of Christ in our lives in holiness, the greater our ability will be to the light of God's glory and to let it shine in our lives. Glory is the public display of God's holiness. And the world won't see God's glory unless they see our lives increasingly holy as Christ is holy. The second image that I want to share with you is for a few moments is that of being the salt of the earth. As many of you know, salt, especially in biblical days, served two main purposes. It was a preservative and it was a flavor. As a preservative, salt kept food from spoiling, plain and simple. The work of the Holy Spirit in our lives is to preserve through our lives the gospel message, which is the heartbeat of the Christmas message. 
The work of the Holy Spirit in our lives is to preserve what what Luke, what the angel declared to the shepherds, I bring you good news of a great joy that will be for what? All the people. For today in the city of David, the Savior has been born who is what? Christ the Lord. Do you believe, or maybe better stated, do you realize that you take with you every day, wherever you are or wherever you go, and whatever you do, the kingdom of God and the message that Jesus is Savior and Lord? And it's vital that whatever we're doing, whomever we're seeing, that we are preserving and declaring the message of God's kingdom, his love, his presence, through our, li- through our lives always. It is not just a Sunday morning thing. But salt also adds flavor. In a similar manner that God gives us the awesome privilege and responsibility to preserve the gospel, God also gives us the opportunity to season the world with the gospel. And we're called to continually flavor the world with God's love. During this Advent season, I was also drawn for the first time, really, to consider one final aspect of salt that, quite honestly, I've never pondered before. How many of you have ever gotten a big bag or box or bucket of popcorn at the movie theater or at a ball game? How many of you have ever gotten a big bag? Okay. Now, when you eat that bag or box or bucket of popcorn, what does it cause within you? A thirst. Why? Because they're very liberal in their salt, are they not? Salt causes thirst. Think about that. Salt causes thirst. Jesus declares, therefore, you are salt of the earth. Not only is he declaring that that you are God's kingdom flavor, that you are the preservative of the gospel in the world, but the reality is, is that you must thirst for the kingdom of God personally and live out a life in which you ought to create that thirst for the kingdom of God in others. Are we able to declare through our lives the words that Jesus spoke to the Samaritan woman at the well? Whoever drinks of this water that I will give will never thirst again. And will our lives be lived in such a way that others will respond the way the Samaritan woman did? Sir, give me this water so I will not be thirsty. Salt creates thirst. Are we thirsty for God? Do we have a thirst to see others thirst after God? You know, as you check out the mission tables in the atrium this morning, they represent some of the ways that people through friends are flavoring the lives of the gospel with love and grace. As I shared with you earlier, Martin Matumbo is in Malawi right now. 
He's overseeing the building progress of the school in which in August of this of 2020, their goal is to welcome the first ninth grade class to the school. I'm glad to announce to you this morning that we're planning on taking a small group to Malawi this summer in August. And if you're interested in, in being a part of that, I, you, I want to encourage you to, to stop by the table. Uh, Martin's wife and family are here, uh, Margaret, and they would love to be able to talk to you, okay? And in the end of January, we're going to have an informational meeting for anybody who's interested. But we're going to be able to go there the same t- roughly the same time that the school is opening, but we're also going to go to minister into villages. And Martin is right there now um, helping to identify with his brother a couple villages that we might be able to go and just, just be light and salt to a people. But we also have plans to, to have a Slo- another Slavic village weekend, working in conjunction with Briggs and Jen in the neighborhood in which they live and serve. And that will probably, that will take time, some time in, in the summer, most likely August too. Because not everybody can go to Malawi, but a lot more of you can go to Slavic Village. And if you would like to be on a planning team to help make that event happen, there's a spot, there's a place on one of the tables for you to sign your name and to let us know you'd be interested in being a part of that, that, um, that, um, that planning team. Do you realize we have a ministry called HOTS and HATS? You may have heard of HOTS, but have you heard of HATS? HOTS is healing on the streets. Louis Brosh goes down to the Slavic village and spends an hour every Saturday praying for people. Okay? Do you want to be a part of something? Learn how to be a part of something like that. You know what HATS is? Healing at the stores. You know who does that? Our youth. Our youth are going into stores, just invite, going up to people and saying, hey, is there anything I can pray for you? Why? Because they want to be the salt and light in the world. It's awesome. There'll, there'll be some people. Find out more about that. Scott Glazier is out there with his fresh, some information and pictures about Fresh Start. You know that mobile shower? We have an opportunity to go into Cleveland once a month, every Sunday. But he needs a team of people willing to do that. Not just people to help with the showers, but uh, hairstylists. And, I mean, it's, 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 it's all kinds of things. If you want to go down and, 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 and minister to the homeless once, you know, and be a part of a rotation that goes down there once a month, stop by his table, sign up, let us get you more information. Denise Hoff is over there with the laundry project. That's free laundry. That's going into a, an area and offering free laundry for people over a three-hour period of time. We want to do that, and we want to do that in conjunction with Fresh Start and Slavic Village. And so we're excited about doing that, and I want you to stop by and learn about the laundry project and her heart and her passion. There's also the Cleveland Pregnancy Center out there. There, many of you have been so generous and so supportive, and, and, and there's ways that we can continue to get involved. Um, and, 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 the, and the Cleveland Pregnancy Center is about the right to life. 
And there's an opportunity for, if, if, if nothing else, you want to pick up a baby bottle and put some change in it during the month of January, stop by the table. Learn about Cleveland Pregnancy Center. Do you know that January has been designated Human Trafficking Month Awareness? And uh, that really goes, that really ties in very neatly with, or nicely with the CPC. Here's my point. Don't just run out this morning. Stop, learn, discern. What God may want you to do with his presence in 2020. Let's pray. Most gracious and heavenly Father, Forgive us. When we minimize your glory, not only in the celebration of your son's birth and the glory that's shown around, but more importantly, Lord, the glory that lives within us because Christ lives in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And as Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, that through the power of the Spirit within us, we are being transformed from glory into more glory. Father, I pray that in 2020 that the body of Christ, not only here at Friends Church, but throughout North Olmstead, throughout our country, throughout our world, that the body of Christ will be salt and light in word and in deed so that others will give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. Father, move in our hearts this morning. Move in our hearts in this new year. In Christ's name we pray, amen.